Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. Hi team, and welcome to episode 24 of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. On today's episode, Mike King, part two. If you're in trouble, reach out and ask for help. That's an oxymoron. That's stupid. Why do we continue to put pressure on our most vulnerable to make the first move? This episode probably needs to come with a a bit of a trigger warning. Um, Mike and I go very deep on the mental health stuff, including a real open and frank discussion about his own suicide attempt. If you find any of this stuff at all triggering, text 1737 uh, and you can talk to someone anonymously. Um, Mike's a guy who's done the work when it comes to mental health, not from textbooks, but at a grassroots level, talking to other Kiwis, and I really hope you guys get some useful tips and tools from this that you can use to make your own life or the lives of your family and friends better. Just before we get into it, thanks to the sponsors of this episode, Ems Power Cookies. Since I've discovered these, they have become my go-to fuel for running. I've got a chocker calendar of events coming up, including the 60km Kepler Challenge in December, which I'm fizzing about, and also the 2023 Old Ghost Ultra Marathon, which is like 85Ks. And Ems Power Cookies are the fuel that's going to be getting me through. They taste good, unlike gels, and they really pack a punch when it comes to calories. So check them out. You can buy them online at munchtime.co.nz or just look for them at your supermarket. And if you can't find them, just ask. Hey, runners only. Yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harley. Fast paced, slow and steady. Anywhere you coming? Just want to connect for everyone who loves running. This is Runners Only. Yeah. Yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey. This is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Uh, fast paced, slow and steady. Anywhere you coming? Uh, just want to connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Runners Only with Dom Harvey and Mike King, advocate. Advocate, how does that, how does that? non-runner. Shit, you've done the work, eh? You've done, with um, with your comedy, you did the work and you got very good and, and now I can tell you've like put the same energy and enthusiasm into well, the so stuff. Well, so what I you've did, done but, the... but I did what everyone else, I didn't learn in books in the in the last 10 years. I, I've spoken to nearly 300,000 yeah. kids personally. When they contact you, it's a genuine contact. I give my number out to corporates and I get wankers trying to sell me shit. You know, these kids are genuinely there, and nine out of ten times it's concerned for someone else. Yeah. You know, I've got a friend who's this, and I've got a friend who's that. Uh, Or it's about themselves, and they just need reassurance that, you know, one, there is someone there, and two, that their thoughts are normal. So I've been out, I've done the yards, and everything I say is not my opinion. This is what kids are telling me. And so yeah. when I get people, well, that's your opinion. No, actually, it's not my opinion. This you're is just what passing your, on feedback. Yeah, I'm, this yeah. is what your kids are telling me. Well, I disagree. Well, that's like saying, dude, I've just told you I like Kentucky Fried Chicken. And you've gone, <laughs> I disagree. You know, and I said. Everyone likes K-Fried. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 of you, course. You can't disagree with this. Yeah. You can't disagree with a fact. Excuse You're a busy me. man, Dom. You're a busy um, man. Yeah, so you came out and um, said you suffered from depression in 2006. Do you think um, it had been there your whole life? You were an angry dude for a while. Yeah. Was it was was that just your way of like projecting the depression? Well, yeah, yeah, of course. So when I got famous, you know, that was supposed to change my life. I always thought fame and fortune was the ultimate goal, yeah. being world best at whatever it is, right? And in my mind, I, you know... I expected that moment was going to be big. It was, it was like these these two gates would open, golden gates would open. There'd be a ticker tape parade. <laughs> the king had arrived. Yeah, and you know people would be throwing confetti. 
confetti and singing your name, girls would be thrown panties. Yeah. It was going to be, it was the ultimate, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like winning lotto. A billion to one shot, and I fucking got it. I was mm. the first. And then these gates opened, and there was my big head going, you're still a fucking loser. You should be flipping burgers. Mm. And for me, when your, when your whole life had been set for this moment and it didn't pan out, for me, that's when my inner critic got really loud and it was constantly taunting me. And that's when the drug and alcohol use took over. Yeah, now, so you, now, you, you, you loved your coke, eh? I love my so, coke. So, I, I started a travel agency, Dom, when coke was in yeah. short supply <laughs> in New Zealand, just so I could fly around the world yeah. when it ran out. How crazy is that shit? So I'm, I'm guessing like it, it started as um, like, like a fun thing. So you'd, you'd do a show, whatever, have a, have a bag of gear. And then, uh, uh, so the first time I tried coke was in 96. Right. 1996. Um, I was at a gig in Monaco. Um, I was with another American comedian called Todd Hanford, and we just finished this gig, and a guy came over, and he shook my hand and said, that was amazing, and he palmed me some gear, right? Mm, mm. Now, lots of people have been palming me gear. It was all usually always weed. And so I got this thing, and I went into the toilet, and it was a block of Coke. And I didn't know really what Coke was, so I said to my American comedian, hey, man, what's this? He hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. So he dropped down the toilet seat and he lined us up two lines and I smashed my line and then I immediately vomited, like, you know, just fucking, whoa, what the fuck is happening? And I threw up. And everything that I've become addicted to in my life, Alcohol, I threw up. Cigarettes, I threw up. Coke, I threw up, right? So I thought, I'll never get addicted to this shit. What a fucking, if this is what this shit is, mm. I'm out. As soon as I walked out into the, into, back into the, the bar, every single conversation in this place was crystal clear to me. I could hear different groups talking. There was a group of university students who just lost a friend of theirs. There was a, another group of people that were getting married. There was a group of, but I could hear every conversation. These university students were, were talking about some scientific thing. And out of my ring binder of memories, something popped up that was associated. So I was able to enjoy the conversation. Mm. And these people were like, holy shit, you're a whole lot more intelligent. But when I talked to the people that just lost them, my empathy level was right there. I could reach the level of every single one. And it was like magic. For a comedian to be that connected with people in the room, that was like the ultimate. It so was, you felt like it made you a better person immediately, like it gave huge, you huge. Yeah. Of course, it turns a lot of people into a dick, like they're, they're just like and it does eventually conversation hogs, and it does, and yeah. it does eventually, and that's exactly what happened. You know, after years of use, of course, that's what happened. So, and then in nineteen ninety seven, maybe eight months later, um, I end up going to London. And spending six months on the uh, six or eight weeks on the scene up there, and same thing. I did a gig, and the skeezer come up to me afterwards. Yeah, right. you ever need like you know the rings, the whole nine yards, yeah, yeah, the two yeah. floozies. He was a local drug dealer. Whatever you need, whenever you need it, you give me a call. That was the funniest thing I've seen. So for the next six weeks, I was in coke heaven. I didn't have to pay, but it was right, only fifty right. quid. Yeah, fifty quid a gram, you know. So and it was a real deal, mm. not like the shit that they were selling back here. <laughs> and um, so for me, that was you know. And then I ended up in Vegas, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and we, so when did when did it stop being stop being fun and? Let's start being a chore or... It never stopped being fun. <laughs> it never, ever stopped being fun. Yeah, but... Um, but... Okay. I knew it was destroying me. Yeah. I knew it was destroying me. I knew, you know, the stage of my career, you know, I was a bit like 660, you know, I'd done all the town hall mm. tours. You can only do town halls. You can only play yeah. Eden Park a certain amount of times. And then the rooms get smaller. Mm. You know, I, I, the first town hall tour I ever did was in 2000 with Radar. You know, we sold out, 
you know, the St. James Theatre fucking twice. Yeah. Not once, twice. You know, we were playing every major town hall in the country, man, mm. you know. Like, I had that much money, I, you know, like, on this tour, I used to get my manager to come and pick up a fucking briefcase of cash and take it yeah. home, you know. Wow. It was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous time, you know. I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. I start out with, you know, an hour of material. I get home with three hours of material because so many things were happening and the coke was flowing, so ideas were flowing, and I was just living and breathing comedy 24-7. But the room started getting smaller, you know, and the the cost of the coke was getting higher and higher (laughs) and higher. And, you know, know, when you're worrying about finances, you end up being an asshole. Mm. You know, and you're blaming everybody else, and you know, young ones were coming up, and then the, then the, um, the fucking newsboy thing started. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. So now that you bring that, like most people wouldn't wouldn't remember that, but um, so uh, there was a sketch on like eating media lunch, or yeah. one of the one of the and, and newsboy that show shows. wasn't fucking rating at all. Right. There was no. It was rating. a niche. It was a niche yeah. sort of show, not a mainstream 10, show. Yeah, it was on a ten thirty at night, and there was a uh, a dog that was Mike King, and he was snorting fucking or smoking pee or something. And of course, I was. But of course, I went into denial, saying, "How fucking dare you? Like you've crossed the line." Yeah. So you left it's, a voicemail message saying, you're, yeah, you're, "No, I left it on a mate's phone." Right. I left. You tell your fucked up friend <laughs> that he's fucking with the wrong guy. Who the? But for, for me, right? I'm old yeah, school. Yeah, I'm old school. Yeah. You don't knock on people. You know. You just fucking don't. You do the lag. You know. So, mm. I, but you know, these new kids, they don't give a fuck. So he passed it on to uh, Jeremy Wells, and Jeremy posted it up. And at the, like, uh, you know, I was it was, big, it was a big deal at the time. Well, I was, here's my fucking phone number. Call me, can yeah, you know. And I put my phone number on there, and he fucking he didn't take the phone number off, and he broadcasted it, mm. and that basically launched his career, mm. you know. And you know, if I'm being honest, I'm still a little resentful of that. Really? You know? yeah. yeah. Have you se- have you seen Jeremy? Or yeah, yeah, to yeah, him yeah. I have. I've learned from the experience, and I've told him. You know, it was probably the best thing that could have happened yeah. to me. Yeah. But I'm still old school. You know what it's like. You've been in radio. Yeah. You yeah. know, you've had people come up to you, and go, ah, oh, dumb. Fucking don't like you, you know. The, you know <laughs> yeah, I never fucking like. I don't listen. I don't listen to your shit. Yeah. You know my response to that? Thank you. Yeah. What? I've just fucking told you you're an asshole. Thank you. What, what? What do you mean? I said I'm just thankful I gave you the opportunity to get that off your chest. Now you don't have to carry it around anymore. I'm an asshole. Guess what? I think I'm an asshole sometimes too. Yeah. So. We talked about the the inner critic before. It's like you think I'm an asshole. You could never think yeah, of a yeah, bigger yeah, asshole yeah. than I think right. of myself. That's right. So. Um, the Jeremy Wells thing, like that that angry message was was part of that. You like you, your depression? Do you think? No, you, because angry and didn't know how to no, express. No, no, it wasn't. Or? It had nothing nah, to do with nah, it. Okay. He told the world the truth. I was a fucking drug addict. I thought I had it well hidden, but I was a fucking drug yeah. addict, and he outed me. To the world, he broke the code. He knocked on me to the world. He and and that's what like I'm still in the mongrel mob mentality. You know, you knock, you fucking die. Yeah, that yeah. was my, you know, that was my. So he told the truth, mm. and I was in denial. You know, and at the, t- you know, so at the time, that's what hurt. Mm. Is he told the truth, and I wasn't ready to face the truth, mm. and that's what made me angry. And so I went straight into denial mode and I went straight into attack mode, which has always been, you know, how, how I've operated. You sort of fight your way out of things. Or, oh, of course. Or retaliate. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. find this alleyway, dude, and let's sort this <laughs> out, you know. That, that, was, that was my mentality. Yeah. And, and the irony is, you know, he'd probably give me a fucking good hiding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He'd need some rules, like just no, no face punches. <laughs> okay, so um, you said before, like, um, you bought a travel agency? Yeah. yeah. Travel King. Travel. Oh, really? You're traveling in the right company. Well, so, you know, our, <laughs> our logo was a Playboy bunny smoking a cigar. Right. You know, you notice I'm just... I'm, I'm pinching my nose as we talk about <laughs> it's this. It's bringing back memories. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm just like, hey, yeah. 
But that was just a time. That, that right. was a time. In my life. Am I proud of that time in my life? Um, not, not really. Would I oh. change it? No. It gave me legitimate experiences. Mm. You know, you can't. You know, other people would read about this shit in a book and then speak like experts. You've got to live it, man. Yeah. You, and I gotta... suppose all these all these experiences brought you to where you are in the man you That's are today. Right. That's but, right. Um, so, so through this travel agency, you ended up. Um, we were you're in a hotel somewhere, like Hong Kong or something. Yeah, I was in a Hong, Hong oh. Kong hotel. Yeah. So what happened was I had a, in 2007. Yeah, um, I had a massive stroke. I was over. That's in Melbourne. You're in yeah, Melbourne. Melbourne. I was yeah. playing in the Aussie Millions Poker Tournament, ten thousand five hundred dollar entry yeah. fee. I was taking a shit. Uh, I had a massive stroke and my mate saved my life. Mm. Um, I had locked-in syndrome, so I was a complete fucking dribbler. Um, on the stroke, how long? Not that long, maybe eight hours, but it was a lifetime. Fuck, terrifying. Yeah, so um, I have locked-in syndrome. I can hear everything. I can understand what everyone's saying. I can converse in my head, but... The only thing coming out of my mouth was dribble. My eyes, my face had dropped. The whole, the whole nine yards. And so, um, I have this stroke. I go to the hospital. I hear the doctor saying, you know, like, hey, where's his wife? My mate said she's on her way. Good. Uh, she he said she'll be here this afternoon. He goes too late. He got four hours to get the thrombolizing drug in him. And um, and my mate said I'll give you permission. He goes no. Nah. Because if we give him, he could die. So either he gives us permission or his wife gives us permission. So you could you couldn't even give the thumbs up or anything. Oh, in my head, I'm going, give me the fucking, yeah. give me the drug, give me the drug. So um, my mate grabbed my head and started yelling with the mad butcher, you know, like, come on, mate, come on, mate. And, and it registered. And his breath stunk. I'll never forget that. <laughs> like, you know, like he hadn't brushed his teeth. He hadn't done anything, you know, like, and his breath, you know, fucking Richie, your breath stinks. And he got me out. It took me half an hour to actually formulate mm. words, and the first sentence out of my head, uh, out of my mouth was, "Give me the drug." And the guy went, "Give me the fucking drug!" You know, I tried to get up off the table to show him that I was, mm. "No, no, stay there. You've got the drug. You've got the drug." But we need to do a CAT scan first. They put me in the machine, and I had another stroke in the machine. Now that was terrifying. It's like you're nearly drowning. You're about to be pulled into the boat, and someone goes, nah, and pushes you back under the water. What, what does the stroke feel like? Uh, it feels like, for me, it's different for people. Some people have pain. But for me, it was like, you know when you stand up too quick, mm -hmm. and then you get that, whoa, that, right. and you're in a permanent state of, whoa, mm -hmm. and you're waiting for it to clear, and it just doesn't. Yeah. And you're just sitting there, and so you're living in this kind of echoey world. I can hear everyone again, and the nurse has been talking to me, and I've been talking back to her, and then she pulled me out. She went, oh, I wondered where you've gone. You'd had another, you've had another stroke. And they took me into the other room, and the doc said, well, we can't give him the drug. And my mate looked at the doctor and went, he gave you fucking permission. I was here. He, he go, all right, I'll fucking give him the drug. So he gave me the drug, and... Mm. And I came out of it. So like that's as close to death as anyone would want to get. Uh, what was terrifying wasn't the oh. thought of death. What was terrifying when I was lying there in the second stroke, it was like someone's going to have to wipe my ass for the rest of my life. Someone is going to have to fucking spoon feed me baby food mm. for the rest of my life. So when I came out of the stroke for the second time, um, I grabbed my mate's shirt, I pulled him down, and I said, if I go back, pillow me. Mm. And it was all a failure. Do you think he would have done, done that for no, you? No, well, here's the thing. I got home six weeks, you know, six weeks later, I invite Richie and his wife up. And my mind's still a blur, you know. And I pull him out to the garage. And I didn't know if I'd said it or not. Mm. And I said to Rich in the garage having a beer, and I said, did I say anything to you when I was in Melbourne? He goes, no, no. Oh, why? He goes, I just thought I'd said something. Obviously, I just imagined it. And he goes, oh, yeah, no, no. Okay, I never said anything. He goes, what, pillow me? <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I did say it. He goes, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I go, would you? He goes, well, we'll never know, will we? Oh. And I was like, you know, I was like, oh, fuck. But and then I spent the next two years in a fog. But I vowed to give up. I vowed to give up drugs, you know. And I, I was committed two days out of hospital with my with my poker mates, 
you know, come into the toilet for four. We've got a line for you. I've just had a fucking stroke, man. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to have that. Yeah. And I was determined. Uh, then I got home and I had a uh, block of coke in the house. So I called Titanic. It was fucking <laughs> like an iceberg. Yeah, <laughs> it was fucking, and it was pure. And um, I could hear it calling me as I'm, you know, driving home. I'm not supposed to be dry. I drive home. Yeah. Uh, drive down the driveway, and I started chopping up. And um, it's remarkable. You think, like, an, like a near death experience like that, that that'd be enough to scare well, you straight? No, that's what that's the hold it had on me. Oh. So I get uh, so so. Then I was uh, when Titanic ran out. I was able to give up. <laughs> I was able to give up. How many grams was Titanic? What do you reckon? Oh, she would have been oh, close to an ounce. Right. How many grams were in an ounce? Uh, I have to excuse my ignorance here. Uh, Thirty-two. Fuck. So the, this is so like ten grand worth. Yeah, easy. Fucking easy. hell. And not chopped either. So right, it right. was like you know they started chopping it all up when we got back to mm. Titanic was. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so anyway, um, I gave up for three weeks, mm. and then I had a tour to the Hong Kong Seven. So I'd mm. given up drinking cigarettes and um, and thing, and I was on the straight and narrow. And my voice of reason, oh yeah, Mikey, we've got this, we've got this. And the inner critic was yelling, but nah, the voice of reason. And so I get over to what's the name? There's lots of alcohol, you know, uh, I'm on a Travel King tour, so we've got a whole lot of expectant people. I get everyone sorted out, I sit more, and I refuse to go to the game. Mm. I can't go to the game because I'll start. So I'm in uh, Wan Chai, which is the, you know, the, the big party place. Yeah. Um, and I'm in Wan Chai, and I'm just aimlessly wandering around, and a Māori boy comes walking down the street. Brother, hey, Mikey, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm just wandering around. Got a team here. You're not going to the Sevens? Nah, I'm bored with footy. He goes, let's go have a beer, bro. And I'm like, man, I just gave up. And he said these words. I'll never forget it. You've given up in New Zealand, bro. <laughs> and I went, fuck, you're right. Straight in, I'll have a Heineken. He went at a Heineken. First fellow walked past. Can I have one of those fucking cigarettes? Puffing away, puffing away, and then I'm um, straight into my dealer. Go, hey, how are you? How do you? How do you have a dealer? Do you just have a dealer in every country? Right, man, right. You know, and Hong uh, Kong sounds like a dangerous place to be doing class A gear. No, it's very uh, safe. Yeah, you know, it's like, in terms of the penalty if you get caught or yeah, the but you know, the people you buy off are basically buying the police off. So right, okay, you know, so I get him and uh, I get half an ounce of coke. Because I've been waiting for your call. What's been happening? Da da da, and I just just fucking drop me the gear, would you? So and then I went back to my hotel and then I started snorting and then I got really fucking angry with myself. I couldn't. You let yourself laugh. down. Yeah, I couldn't fucking and you know, and I just started snorting and then I, you know, I just wanted to die and. I didn't want to hang myself or OD on anything else because that would affect my family. But in my head, it made sense that my king rock and roller went out ODing on, on coke. Yeah, it's like a real Belushi way to go yeah, out, isn't so it? so I yeah. just snorted everything that I could and passed out on the floor. And um, So in a, in a way, it was, a, like a suicide, it was kind of a suicide. That was a suicide. No, I wanted to die. Right. That, that was my plan. I was just going to die. You know, I've just snorted enough coke to kill me. You know, and, you know, half an ounce is a pretty good job. Mm. You know, you, 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 more than enough to die. Yeah. Um, and I passed out. And when I was passed out, my then eight-year-old daughter magically appeared sitting on my chest going, what are you doing, Dad? Why are you doing this? We need you at home. You shouldn't be doing this. And it was like she was fucking right there. Mm. And um, I woke up and I went, what the fuck? I flushed what I had left of the cocaine down the toilet, uh, rang in New Zealand, booked a flight back home and got off the plane. I fell out of the plane on April 1st, um, 2007 and haven't picked up since. Wow. Yeah, just so I gave up drugs, alcohol and cigarettes on the same day right. and just gone through 15 years. Your life's been miserable ever since. No, uh, no, no. People, people used to say to me in those years, come back and they go, you know, uh, you look great. Yeah, I look great on the outside. I feel like shit on the inside. <laughs> when I was with the Coke, I looked fucking shit on the outside, but I felt fucking great mm. on the inside. 
Uh, but it's been a journey. It's been really, yeah. really, really hard, you know. Oh, yeah. and, I, I suppose now. And I'm, like, you know, I, I, I'm a guy that protects myself. So when I was doing comedy, everyone goes, you treat your wife like a fishwife. No, uh, I'm protecting myself. You know, um, if I sleep with one woman, I've got to sleep with a thousand. So I made it very clear in my comedy that I was married because I didn't want to fall into that trap. Right. So when I – Well, you mean in terms of your addictive personality? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it was a protection. So I'd be sitting in in bars with a woman and people come up and go, that's not your wife. Who's this? It's actually my sister-in-law. Here's my wife coming. Oh, sorry, Mike. I didn't – you know, Mm. so it was designed to keep me safe. Um, and so then coming out about my drug addiction was the next logical step. It was always designed to keep me safe. Yeah, okay. I had no plan. It was just like, if you're going to do this, this is what we're going to do. And then I had a whole lot of people watching for me. If I went to the toilet, people would magically appear. Just thought you were coming in for a chop fight. Hey! <laughs> Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. Yeah, so, you know. So have, have you been offered it since? Oh, heaps. Yeah, and... and Come on, bro, it's just mm. us, man. Just us, you can yeah. have one. Come on, bro. No desire anymore? Oh, or the just, desire yeah, okay. never yeah. goes. It never goes, right? I always thought, Dom, that I could go back and uh, have a beer, you know. And last Christmas, I discovered Heineken Zero. I knocked off that first box in about 20 minutes. <laughs> Seriously. And then the next day was another box, and the next day was another box. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, my wife went. But yeah, you be. Why? Heineken Zero, like it, it tastes the same as normal Heineken, yeah, but you're, you're not getting any, any kick out of it, any it buzz. Just remind. Right, the first time I drank the box, I got faux drunk. My wife says, You know, you're getting louder. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I got fucking faux drunk, yeah, you know, because yeah. I hadn't. And it was. Um, you know, in the end, after a few days, my wife said, you can't do this, you know, like, look at you, you're just fucking going nuts mm. on this shit. So we had a rule. For every hour of yard work that I did, um, I was allowed a beer. So that's when I started gardening 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> But, it's two in the morning. Where's Mike? <laughs> I'm in the garden, doll. <laughs> now, so I've just, you know, I've just, uh, you know, I've given it up again. Yeah, you know, I yeah. just. But it, it was a happy reminder. Like, you know, the thing that I miss the most out of everything is cigarettes. Is that so? I yeah. love cigarettes. Like, I love the smell of cigarettes. Well, if you, I hate the smell of smoke. I, I, well, fuck you. I love it. Mm. You know, like people get in my car, you don't smoke. Fuck it, light up. Blow that shit on me. I love that mm. shit. You know, no, 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 I'm not going to smoke in yeah. your car. So, yeah, I've got an addictive personality. Yeah. And was, um, was it hard going off all that stuff, in particular the alcohol and, and the coke and the weed, and then just having to, like, um, I don't know, I suppose you feel particularly vulnerable at that point. Like, there's no, there's n- you're not taking anything to mask your emotions and, or your feelings. And I'm not going, like my mates said, go to AA, go to NA, go to all these, but mm. what, you want me to get fucking addicted to a god of my choice? That's not for <laughs> me. You know, it's just not for me. Yeah, it works but, for some, but yeah, whatever. I, well, well, yeah. I'm from the school of whatever yeah. works, but I'm, yeah. I'm pig-headed. Yeah. And then one day I discovered something. Like I've, I'm an addict, Tom. So why don't you use my addictive personality for good? So I got addicted to being clean and sober. Yeah. I addicted. So I counted. I counted days. How are you, Mike? 833, dude. I'm fucking awesome. Well, I've been 833. So I would just count days. Count days. Count days. For 10 years, I counted yeah. days. I was going to ask if you still do it now. You must be no. at like five, whatever thousand. I, I have yeah. no clue where right. I'm at good. now. I just, don't, I just don't bother. But that's what I needed to do to get me through. I got addicted to use my addictive personality for good. So, um, yeah, so, so it was around this time, like 2007, 8, 9, whatever, that you, you came out publicly and said you suffered depression. Was, um, was that a big call? Why did you decide to do that? Uh, again, you know, like, well, it happened accidentally, really. Uh, so I'm, 
I'm at home, I'm depressed, I'm not going anywhere. Willie Jackson's worrying about me, right? He's on radio. Yeah. He's on radio live and he's worrying about me. You need to go back to work. Fuck you, I don't need to go back to work. I'm fine. You need to get fuck you, you get out of the house. I'm not getting out of the house. And he goes, um so he goes, um, Martin Crumb's going off for a week. I'm gonna get you that job. You're gonna come in and do the radio. I don't wanna do it. do the fucking radio, you know, you need to get out. What a good mate. So I went in to Radio Live and 0800-726-745, Radio Live, I'm my king, you know. And I started reading out the headlines, oh, you know, today, da-da-da, da-da-da-da. If you've got a da-da-da, da-da-da, interest rates have gone up 0.2%. If you're going to struggle with the interest rate, give us a call. But everyone had done these topics all day, yeah, right? Yeah. And then I come back and I look at the board and no calls. Hey, da-da-da, uh, da-da-da, there's a piece of paper lying down the street. If you have people lying down your street, give us a call. Mm. I mean, 0800-726-745. Radio Live, <laughs> and we're going to go to another break. And uh, twenty past ten, yeah. twenty past twenty-five past ten at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Producer goes, uh, "We're going to go to break. No more breaks." And then my inner critic started. You know, just start mm. swearing. Just start swearing. If you start swearing, people will go, "Don't you? Just tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell them there's no one there." So I had this big fucking war going on in my head, and it was dead air. Dead air for 30 seconds, and I'm just closing my eyes, and then I went, fuck it, just. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Tell the truth. Uh, yeah. And I just told her, I said, hey, Ron, uh, there are no calls. There have been no calls. I've been lying to you for the last 20 minutes. Uh, and if no one calls in the next five seconds, I'm going to start talking to the voices in my head. Mm. Then I closed my eyes and I started talking. You know, the reason no one's calling is because no one likes you. Oh, people like you. They're probably eating dinner. Eating dinner, it's 20 past 10 at night. Yeah. No one eats uh, dinner at 20 past 10 at night. You're just a loser. You know, why do you always call Michael a loser? Why do you always call him Michael? And this stream of unconscious thought came out mm. of my mouth. And then my producer went, you better take the calls. And I had a full board. And the first fellow I talked to was a fellow, a Maldi boy called Rangi. I knew his uh, Maldi because his name was Rangi. And <laughs> the, first thing, the first thing he said to me was, Bo, 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 I have those voices too. Mm. And as soon as he said that, I just felt a connection. So me and Rangi, we had a conversation, all eight of us. And we were just, <laughs> just, just talking, and yeah. then the next call, and then the next call. And then I had a 12-year-old girl call in, and she was like, "This is." she was crying. She goes, this is never, like I've been having mental health issues, and what you're describing is exactly what it is. And mm. Caitlin was her name. Yeah. I invited Caitlin's whole family up to the studio the next night, and they all came up, you know, all of these people who were just connected, Yeah, you know, and... They must have felt so good. Yeah, well, then the next day I went in. Yeah. We have full board. Of, so the next day I go in and I say, we can talk about all this shit or we can talk about what we were talking about last night. Full board of calls. Full board of calls. And then um, by the end of the week, we were the Nutters Club. You know, hey, yeah. this is the Nutters Club. Let's it's still going. You're, you're not involved with it anymore, but it's still going to this day. Yeah, it's still the going Club? on. Yeah. Talks, yeah. Be with Hamish and, um, and Kyle. Um, I just, like... I couldn't do it anymore. Physically, I couldn't do it. 11 to 1, I'm in the schools on Monday morning, and I'm up at 5, so I get to bed at 3. I've got two hours sleep. Monday's easy, I can get through it. Tuesday's killed me. It was like the morning after the morning after Mm, the night before. Yeah. And in the end, I just had to make a call. Yeah. And my focus wasn't on everyone's mental well-being by that stage. It was on kids. And so... I spent the next five years researching 
and listening. When I first started, I was like everyone. I wanted to go in and I thought I had all the answers and I was going to do this and I was going to do that and I was going to do this. And then after speaking in the first few schools, I realized I didn't know what the problem was. Yeah. So I lost board members because they were like, we need to reproduce my kings. We need to get my kings out there. And I'm like, just slow down. I don't know what the problem is. You know, once we discover what the problem is, then we can set yeah. about our task in earnest. And it took me five or six years to understand that the biggest problem we've got is imposter syndrome and overactive and a critic. Mm. Uh, and now it's so obvious, yet we've got all of these agencies mm. that, that won't even listen. They don't even believe it. No, that's not. The biggest problem is depression, it's anxiety. No, these are the outcomes of an overactive inner critic, you fucking moron. You know, if, <laughs> you know we're, we're always focusing on behaviour. Yeah, we never yeah. ask what drives the behaviour. You know, eating disorders are the biggest problem facing young people today. Yet when you go to the eating disorder clinic, they make it about the food. My daughter's got an eating disorder. And we go to the eating disorder clinic and, you know, right, we're all going to have a shared lunch today so your lovely daughter can see what it's like mm. to eat. Um, you know, and, and every time she says something, that's not her speaking. That's mm. Anna. That's Anna speaking. I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, Anna Rick. Yeah. yeah. Right, and and right. then one day my daughter said after four sessions, mm. she goes, you know, my problem's not food, eh? Food's not my problem. Mm. The problem, if it wasn't food, it'd be alcohol, it would be drugs, it would be boys, it would be the gym. I want to know why my brain is making it yeah, about the food. Yeah. And that was the last session we had there. You right. know? But we focus on behavior. Yeah. Like we do it with everything, drug dealers, you know, drugs, throw all the dealers in jail. Let's ask a serious question. Why are there so many people today that need to be on drugs? That, that, what are the drugs doing? And in 90% of the cases, brother, it's shutting that fucking self-doubt up. Yeah. You know, it's all alcohol, you know, same thing. It's, it gives you a break from yeah, temporary yourself. release. Yeah, it's you're escaping. Re- it's yeah. the relentless pursuit of temporary happiness. Yeah. You know, and the irony is people say to me, like, my, my friends, you know, what, what's it like being an addict? You tell me. I'm not an addict. Dude, you go to the gym seven days a week. You miss a day, you turn into an arsehole, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, oh, bro, what's it like hiding things from the missus? You tell me. I don't hide things. Dude, you play golf three times a week. Your mm. missus thinks you play once a fortnight. You're fucking lying, you yeah. know. So the, 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 the thing that most men are addicted to more than anything else is work. You know, I fire money at the problem. I've got troubles at home. I've got fucking troubles with self-esteem. And to cover it all up, I fucking throw money at it. Yeah. So when was I Am Hope Born? When did that come about? Um, That, that was just an accident, really. I was right. working with some suicidal kids, and I was talking to them saying, how can we never talk? Because we don't know who's safe. What does that mean? We don't know who's going to judge me. We don't know who's going to gossip about yeah. me. I don't know. You know, like, I don't know who's safe. You know, I, you know, I don't want to be ridiculed. I don't want to be pointed at. I said, so, you know, we need to do something about that. Why don't we come up with something that signals I am safe? And they came up with a wristband that says, I am hope. If you're, you know, if you're wearing the wristband, what you're saying to people is, I won't judge you. I won't fucking gossip about you. Uh, I'll be there for you. Most importantly, I won't try and fix you. I'm not qualified to fix you. Mm. I won't take on your problem. I'm not qualified, but I'm here to listen. And if you need help, I'll go with you. But if you need to offload shit, I will sit here and listen. I will call time on the conversation if I need to. But, But I'm feeling you. You know, and I have experiences that, you know, similar to yours. So um, I Am Hope was, was born and, mm. you know, and it just took off. I couldn't believe it. Like in a big way. Yeah, I just yeah. had no idea that it was going to take mm. off and, you know, it's around the kids. And mm. So people. So when we were doing our I Am Hope talks, um, the biggest thing that happened, so we talk about our experiences and we would encourage counselling. Mm-hmm. Uh, why? Because my counsellor saved my life. And I was saying to the kids, look, ignore what the counsellor looks like. It's someone that's not from your circle. It's someone that doesn't have your background. Go to this independent person. And I'd shared my experience. So we made counselling cool. Problem was, some schools didn't have counsellors. And in some schools, 
the the counselor there was related to mum in some way or was a teacher and they didn't feel like they could talk. So they'd contact me and I'd say, just go and see someone private. I'll find yeah. you someone private and I will pay for it. By 2018, um, those private sessions, which we, we didn't advertise, were running at about $10,000 a month. So we were paying about $10,000 a month for private sessions. Yeah. And then someone came up with the Gumboot Friday idea, you know, having depressions like walking through mud. Most people are hiding it. Why don't we all put on Gumboots so people who have depression can see people in Gumboots and know mm. that these are people that care and we can raise money for them. And they said they can, we can raise money for your charity. And straight away I went, why don't we raise money for free counselling? Mm. But unlike other charities, why don't we donate 100% of the funds? to counselling. So I set up a bank account with Kiwi Bank and the only way it can come out was with an invoice from um, from a counsellor and we will cover the um, the admin. I'm already paying $120,000 a year in free counselling. That should be more than enough to to cover the yearly rate of, what's the name, sir, of the admin. So yeah, yeah. that's that's what we do. You know, unfortunately, now there's, you know, it's, it runs at about 10%, the admin. So, you know, we've only got enough to cover 1.2, but I just work my ass off going around to corporates and going around to well-meaning people and asking them to help me yeah. with the admin. And and the admin, none of it comes to us. We outsource the admin. We outsource it to And 100% of that money goes to them. We don't clip the ticket. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's, for me... My big thing with people who are collecting money for charity is I always go, how much of my $10 is going to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I very the, thirsty charities, And I it? always ask the kids, so do you, you know, do you get, are you volunteering for this? Oh, no, we get minimum wage. So you're being paid to do this. So some of this money is going mm. to you. No offense, but I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. and i got my own charity, you know. So I just wanted to do something that, you know, our kids could, you know, use. And why counseling? This way, because in order for a kid to get free counselling in this country through the Ministry of Health, you have to go to the doctor. The doctor has to diagnose you mentally ill. That stigma follows you because it's on your records for the rest of your life. Then you... Oh, yeah, it makes it hard to get insurance and all then, sorts yeah. of things. Oh, and, yeah, all yeah, kind. yeah. Then next thing, you you know, you're also on a long waiting list and then, you, you know, you're, by the end of getting in to see someone, you know, they're often burnt out and they don't have time. Yeah. So this way here is... You know, this way here is get in early. So the government see, the Ministry of Health see counselling as a crisis situation. We see it as a preventative situation. So you go and see a counsellor when you're in crisis. Too late when you're in fucking crisis. Yeah, yeah. Now you need the hospital. Our whole thing is if you see a counsellor about a little problem, it doesn't come to be a big problem. And they just help unscramble thoughts. They don't fix you. They help you unscramble your thoughts. They empower yeah. you to fix you. Give yourself. you a different way of looking at things. So young people don't want to see counsellors because they're mentally ill. They go and see counsellors to stay well. I had a um, a government uh, a minister's um, uh, a minister's aide. You know, his the guy that gives him all his ideas. Ring me up and say, um, "You can't be Friday will never be funded. Why not? Because anyone can use it. What do you mean?" You don't even have to be mentally ill to use it. Okay, you're a fucking idiot. What do you mean? Uh, so you're saying that someone has to be mentally ill to see a fucking counsellor. That's like saying to someone, why are you going to a doctor? You haven't had a heart attack. Yeah. Why are you at the hospital? Why are you at the gym? You haven't had a heart attack. I said, kids don't want to see a counsellor because they're mentally ill. They go to stay well, you fucking yeah, moron. Yeah, it's the am ambulance at the yeah, top, top of the cliff. It's such a broken system. So oh, what they do is they fund bricks and mortar, right? It's like they set up a taxi company. You've got to have an office. You've got to have the admin. You've got to have lawyers. You've got to have contractors. Then you've got to buy the taxis and the drivers of the councillors. But in order to see the councillor, you've got to go to the taxi rank and you don't get a choice of what driver you want. You've got to take the first cab of the rank. And this is under their access and choice. So with that, it's between $350 and $2,000, right? And this is under access and choice where there's limited access and there's no choice. Yeah. Under our system, or what have we done? We invented Uber. 
That's all we did. Yeah. That's what, you carry the cost of yeah. the car. You carry the cost of the account. You just charge us what you charge us up front yeah. with all of those things built in, and the average cost is $147. Man, you, you, you've got so much passion and so much energy for this. I can, I can, I can almost see the rage. Do you – um? Do, I mean, how, how do you how do you keep your own mental health in check? Because it's like you must. I worry about you, and I worry about Jazz Thornton a little bit from uh, Voices of Hope. Because it's like you you take a lot on. You take on a lot of other people's problems, and that's no, gonna, I that's, don't. You, no, I but, don't. But people share their, yeah, their yeah, problems with you. That's got to bring you. No, it doesn't. No? You know, want to know why? My job's not to take on other people's problems. My job's not to. I'm I pathway people. So. Our current system deals with individuals. I'm looking at the big picture. So our focus is this positive, societal, attitudinal change. Remember this. 80% of people in crisis never ask for help because they're worried about what society thinks, mm. says, or does. Yeah. So... Until we change society's attitude, you can have the best mental health system in the world. You can throw a billion dollars a day at it. Mm. But if people aren't buying into it, you're wasting your fucking time. So attitudes have to change. So I will listen to your problem. I don't take it personally. I will listen to your the, the, the tale of your son being refused help at, at a hospital and then going back an hour late uh, and being trespassed off the premises to him dying seven hours later, mm. I will listen to that. I will, f I will be enraged by that and I use that as my motivation going forward. Right. Okay. So it's always about – see, Jazz is a bit different. She, you know, she's – she takes everything. I don't take everything on. My – my, Is that a maturity thing, do you think? Well, so I've just looked at where I can be most effective, yeah. you know, and like I can save individuals, and I don't buy into that argument. If we save one life, it's all worth it, <laughs> I, you know. So, yeah. you know. Shit, you, you, you get so wound up talking about it, I can tell. You, well, I'm passionate. You, yeah, you, you are, know, you are. At the, at the end of the – so we have DHBs referring – people to Gumboot Friday, we cope with their overload. And people say to me, say something. Tell them they can't do it. I, why? It's not about them. It's about the fucking kids. Mm. You, know, my, you know, my saying is they are all our children. Yeah. When you have been to every decile of school in the country, you will know that in the elite private schools of this country, they have equally as many kids who are fucking struggling with mental health issues, and in some cases more than poorer areas. Yeah. You know, I don't care if you're a redneck piece of shit that hates Maldi and hates me. I love your child, mm. and I will, I will crawl over broken glass to get your child the care yeah. that they need. And you've got to have that you've got to have that attitude that everyone is equal mm. in mental health god you've done some good work eh? you just just you sleep well at, at night these days i never sleep bro oh, yeah i you deserve a good night's sleep no, I, you, you should be i wake up every two hours my windows 62 dom windows 62 <laughs> does not stop it does <laughs> not stop it is always uh, always working there are always things that i have to write down there are always mm. things that you know look i've got 10 years left if i'm lucky oh come on how how can you say if, that well i've i've had you, um, you're i've a, had a major stroke i've got one one artery working to my brain at the moment i've had Two, um, two heart, um, not surgeries, but heart fucking things. Bypass or no? No, right. no, no. Um, what Stints? do you call them? Yeah, no. No, they have. To, you know, when you're awake, they put shit through your heart. Right. And fucking. So I've had two of. Those. You got no vices now. You're a healthy dude. That doesn't matter. You yeah. know, I, I smoked for most of my life. I put huge mountains of coke up my nose, and I smoked weed from 13 years old right up till I was 45 every day. You know, I was a when I left smoking, I was a 40 smoker a day. Mm. So I'm a realist. 
you know, if if the big man came out of the sky today and said, I'll give you 15 years or take you, I'll take the 15, 15, 15, thank you, 15. So you what, what are you now, 16? So I'm 60. I've got 10 years yeah. left. I'm going to make him count. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I fucked around enough. I, you know, I, I made, you know, I spent most of my life making everything about me. I, you know, I look at this younger generation and they, they, they need a soldier. You know, they need someone out front kicking down doors and warding off all of the people who tell you why you can't do so. They need someone out there advocating for them. Mm. And I'm going to be out front um, so they can go on and change the world. Oh. I seriously believe yeah. that they can change the world. They just need someone to take the bullets from all the old fucks out there that are trying <laughs> to stop them. And that's yeah. my job. I know what my purpose is. I, you know, I know it's a, you know, it's a, it's a huge sacrifice for my family. Mm. You know, in terms of the time and effort well, and energy, you. I'm always out there fighting wars. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm trying to. Spend more time with my wife. You know, she deserves the time. Uh, I have unique ways of dealing with that. I said, babe, we need to spend more time together. And she went, really? I said, yes, that's exactly what we need to do. Um, I took up golf again at the beginning of the year, so I went and bought her a set of golf clubs. And we go out to the driving range. She's learning. I'm getting her lessons. And we're going to go out and play golf whenever we can. Cool. You know, and I just, I just want to, you know, I, w- I want to give her some quality time. But she knows that we're on a bus and it's going really fucking fast mm. and I'm not getting off the bus. So get on the bus and come with me for the ride and, you know, and, and be with me as much as you can and we'll just see where that takes us. Fuck, what a, what a positive bus as well. Yeah, so yeah. we just... Is this what you're doing now? Is this your legacy, you reckon? Well, your legacy is what other people decide. Yeah. Um, this is what do you, what do you th- when when you die? What do you what would you like? What would you like to think people say about you? Oh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you know, like I always say this to teachers. You know, you, <laughs> you never, you will never know the effect that you have on kids. You will never know how many lives you change. You know. But your family, your funeral, when they see everybody that turns up, when the when the dad's standing there with his five kids and he's saying, this lady saved my life. If this lady wasn't here, this great person wasn't here, none of us would be here. We owe everything to that person. So, you know, and there'll always be people that, that turn up to your funeral and go, I just turned up just to make sure you're dead, you asshole. <laughs> you know, and that's oh, life, know. right? But that's life. Yeah, that's life. You I know. don't know. I think 20 years ago you would have had a bunch of those people, but I feel like that that crowd has diminished now. Oh, I don't know. Look, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. My uh, my, my soul, you know. Legacy, smegacy, fuck. Is there an afterlife like, or anything? You know, just because you brought up legacy, I remember I went and saw um, Willie Jackson. I want to fucking. I want to say it, right? Mm. And I, I was talking to him about, you know, Gumboot Friday and why aren't we getting funding and, you know, here's all of our initiative. Why aren't you – I see you out there fighting for Tamahiri. I see you out there fighting for everyone, mm. you know. Sure, like I'm, 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 I'm not exclusively Māori families, but if we lift up everyone's families, then the, the, the Māori families will come up too. Yeah. Currently we're focusing on Māori families and those numbers are fucking going down, so it's not working. Mm. But if we lift everyone up, if, if the, the care comes up for white people, naturally it comes up. So let's, you know, and I'm saying there – and he's like, oh, bro, you know, bro, bro, bro. And I was like, you know how I feel, Willie? And I just said this, right? I said, I fucking just feel like giving back that fucking medal that you guys gave me. And he he went, ha, 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 there goes your knighthood. And he laughed and said, there goes your knighthood. And that fucking enraged me. And I just said, do you, do you think I'm here for a fucking knighthood, pal? Is that what you actually think? I'm yes. not here for fucking knighthoods. And, and that was the day I went home and I said to my wife, I'm giving that fucking thing. So this away. was the officer of the Order of Merit yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
New yeah, Zealand yeah, Order of yeah. Merit thing. Yeah, yeah. Surely, the, I mean, the I know, stepping stone to a knighthood. <laughs> I know you're not doing any of this for the accolades, but the um, the New Zealander of the Year thing in 2019 that must have meant a lot. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, yeah, that's massive. Because it's a people's award. Yeah, people nominate you. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the proudest award that you know I ever got. And in comedy was People's Choice in Metro mm. Magazine three times, you know. I, I, you know, I don't give a fuck what anyone else. Mm. And, I, like, you know. It's funny, funny how, like, the, the side of you has never changed. Like, you, earlier we were talking about um, how you shat on Andrew Shaw, who was a TV executive, and yeah. people were like, oh, you never get on TV. And you're like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You still get on TV. Who knows? You, you might, even though you don't care about it, you might still get that knighthood, even though no, you No, no, you never. You, oh, is that no, so? That's burnt now. Oh, okay. Bro. Yeah, you can't, you can't give. Like, you know, the Queen had to say yes. Mm. Like, uh, you know, I had to get a letter from the fucking Queen. Right. You know, and, um, you know, uh, so, yeah, no, no, that's a bridges burnt. And, right. Like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, who, who cares? Who cares, man? <laughs> you know, they, they hand them yeah. fucking things out yeah. like lollies. They gave Ron Broyley one. <laughs> you know, what, you know, it's, uh, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just, and, you know, a lot of people deserve them, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most you, you do, but you've, yeah, done, but, you've um, done a tremendous but, but, amount of work. Yeah, I know, but that's not the motivation. No, you know, I know it's so, not. But there it's are so byproduct. many people in the game now that are in it for a fucking knighthood. You know, mm. people are jumping in. Oh, they're giving away knighthoods. So, like, I'll, yeah, I just – look, people first, man, people first. Mm. You know, I I love sitting at Mangere Bridge and, you know, every day people coming up to me and hugging me and telling me about their kids. Man, that's – that's the reward right yeah. there, man. That's the reward right there. You know, my team, I wrote a book called T.R. and Mac, The Hopeful Black Dog. Mm. So it was about a black dog. Um, and the book was about bullying. And, you know, our current our current uh, plan to deal with bullying is let's bully the bully. Right. You know, yeah. whereas I now know, because I travel around schools, that bullies bully because they're being bullied. And you know, yeah, they've got their own yeah, shit going yeah. on. So yeah. let's be kind. Let's say so anyway. I wrote this book, and my team go into primary schools and they read this book to give kids a better understanding of what's going on in the bully's head, but also helping bullies to understand that what you're doing is not love. That's not love. Mm. You know, they think love is you know is bullying, um, and and. Giving people a better and a little girl went up to um, my ambassador who read the story, and she said, "Can I talk to you?" And she said, "Yeah, what's up, darling?" She goes, "Did the man who wrote this book know it was going to help so many of us?" Mm. And that's yeah. right there, man. That's better than any fucking knighthood. And my eight-year-old <laughs> daughter, when I when, when she found out I couldn't get, uh, you know, I was never going to be a sir, and she goes, "Dad." Kings are higher than sirs anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. You, will you ever do um, any stand-up again, do you think? Um, I feel like, like you're, you're still fucking funny. Like before when you were talking about your big giant head and your, 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 your white pubes. I've, I mean, I've you can do different shit to what you used to do. Look, I don't trust myself. <laughs> no, seriously. I've done it twice since I retired. Only twice. Uh, once, once at Quentin Pongia's uh, aftermatch, mm. and once at the Mad Butcher. Now at Quentin Pongia's aftermatch, like I smashed it. Yeah, there he is. Welcome back. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, I had to leave. Yeah. And the same after Mad Butcher roast, I had to actually leave. I realised how. Dangerous that it was what, in terms of ego. Or? Yeah, and and yeah. It, like it's addictive, man. If you can, like, if you can make a room full of fucking people, like, spit their drink, you know, yeah, it's a rush. It's, it's, yeah, it's. I can't do it. I just can't. I don't trust myself. It'll be like I can just have one drink. I can just <laughs> tell one joke. I can incorporate my comedy in my talks. Which I do, mm. um, and that's enough. Yeah, it's it's comedy with a difference, and um, if people want to understand vulnerability more, and I watched this woman. My wife 
went on and on about. We got to watch this thing. You got to watch oh, this Brene thing. Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 like everything that Brene says, I've been practicing mm. since two thousand and seven. Yeah. And it was one of those lovely feelings where I had finally had boxes to put things yeah. in. The other, the other, only other moment where I've had that was when I read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point. Oh yeah, I love you that know? book. Yeah, I was like. You know, I'm a maven, I'm a salesman, and I'm a connector, you yeah. know, but I had boxes. You know when you just do things because they feel right, mm. and then suddenly you've got boxes? It's the first book I'd ever got to the end and started reading again. I just, yeah. uh, you know. So Brene Brown mm. on Netflix, just, it is it is a wonderful read, you know, yeah. and the story I'm telling myself is such a great way of, you know, just talking to partners, you know, when you when your partner's not saying something and I know there's friction and, you know, like you're getting angry because why aren't you fucking talking to me? Hey, babe, I don't know what's happening. I know there's something. But the story I'm telling myself is I did this, this, this and this and you've did that. No, that's not what I'm thinking at all. Yeah. I'm thinking is. It's just a nice air clearer, yeah. you know, the story I'm telling myself. My inner critic is telling me, mm. you know. Yeah, I, I must admit I've been a, a late entrant to the uh, vulnerability club. Like it's, it's, it was only a few years ago for me, but I think part of that's because I went to um, – I'm probably a similar generation to you, a little bit younger than you, but I went to an all-boys school in Palmy North and any – Which any, one? Palmy Boys. Yeah, fuck so, it. So any, the best fucking hucker at Palmy <laughs> Oh, did they gave you one? Yeah, they gave me Shit. one. New Plymouth Boys Hive. Mm. Like I've, I've got a, I filmed them all, man. Mm. I, I have got a folder full of huckers from around just about every school. I've got one of the special ones I got after I got New Zealander of the Year was um, the Crusaders gave me their hucker on their field. That shit means more than a night. No, right? no, it's just, yeah. just, yeah, yeah. it's, it's fine chilling. So no, but uh, you know we're all changing. But yeah. vulnerability is the new economy, mm. you know, and that doesn't mean we go and fucking just throw our dirty laundry out at everything. <laughs> you know, it's just being more honest. Yeah, when yeah. people say, you know, how are you today, Dom? Instead of saying I'm good, because it's a natural thing mm. to say. You know, um, what I say now is how are you go. My inner critic's smashing me, bro. Mm. You know, and then mm. suddenly it's not a conversation anymore. It's gossip. Oh fuck! What happened? <laughs> Well, I walked past Dom this morning and the fucking asshole just ignored me. And I'm at least, but you know what fucking Dom's like. And and oftentimes when you do that, the other person provide context. Oh, well, you know, Dom had to take his dog to the fucking vet today, don't you? Yeah. The dog got hit. Fuck, really? So now it's not about me. Oh, fuck, thanks, but I've got to go and check in on Dom. Yeah. Fuck, I didn't know about the dog. You know, and that's that's what being honest is about. Yeah. It's looking for ways that you can be vulnerable Without you know, without crossing the line of burdening people with yeah. your, I think that's what I should write a book on. Actually, ways to have a conversation without burdening people. Yeah, that'd be a good read. No, I don't write. <laughs> I won't do it. Audio book. I won't do it. Yeah. I won't do it. All right. Hey, um, geez, we've we've been sitting here for over two hours, and we really? we keep going. What what a rich life. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's been colourful. I've played rugby with the All Blacks. Yeah, last you know, I like until the last year when I had my last game of rugby at fifty nine. The last game of rugby before that, I was I played with the All Blacks. I was on the tour on the Coca Cola convoy with them in nineteen ninety five. They ran out of reserves. I ran onto the wing. Did they pass me the ball? No. Did I touch the ball? No. But get fucked. <laughs> I know that there are other All Blacks who did the same thing. Yeah. I fucking was on the All Black team. Yeah, yeah. I played with the Black Caps. I've fucking yeah. toured hip-hop artists. Uh, you know, I've been around the world. I've been on the same stage with Dave Chappelle. You know, I just, mm. I, I've, I've had a really, really blessed life. And sometimes when I'm down on myself, I have to remind myself. And, you know, I've got six, uh, five, six beautiful kids. Mm. You know, it's, li- li- life's, most days life's good. Yeah. Other days it's shit. Well, you reap what you sow, so you definitely deserve more good days than bad days. Thank you, my brother. Yeah. Thanks, bro. Really appreciate your time. You're a great New Zealander. Oh, thank you, bro. Who's our sponsors? Ooh. I don't know who's sponsoring this episode. Oh, really? I don't know. Well, whoever you are, you're amazing. <laughs> and none of this would be possible without your sponsorship. There he is, the comedian. <laughs>
Mike King, and the sponsor that he did want to thank <laughs> uh, was my friends at M's Power Cookies. Give them a follow on Instagram, M's Power Cookies, or you can buy them online at munchtime.co.nz. Hey, thank you very much for joining me for this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Hope to see you next week. Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.